Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League. It is, in fact, the number one daily NFL podcast on the number one daily sports podcast network. Alongside the scout, Matt Williamson, I am Brian Peacock. You can find this show on all of your favorite podcast apps. Tell a friend about Locked On NFL. Let them know their team is covered right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I am on Twitter at BD Peacock. Matt, a must follow at Williamson NFL. Some big news here before we get into our team-by-team, division-by-division free agency reviews. And I know there's still some free agents out there that might trickle in, but most of the heavy work is done. We're going to start with the NFC East, see how far we get with that, and go division-by-division looking at each team, get into some of the smaller deals with some of these teams that we haven't really talked about so far on the program because so much big news has happened and more big news happening since we last talked. Matt, Cam Newton released. I want to start, though, with Travis Frederick, Cowboys All-Pro Center suddenly retiring from the NFL at age 29. Yeah, I mean, I just read this as pretty much as soon as we hit record on today's podcast, and I immediately thought, well, you know, he missed time with a, a, a disease and ailment. I don't know exactly what it was. I'm not a doctor. And and then you immediately think of Keekly and Luck, and we're getting a trend of really good potential Hall of Fame-type guys I wouldn't say in their prime, but on hold 11 or 12 out of 18, you know, rounding the back nine and certainly on the back nine, but not, you know, completely cooked by any stretch, hanging it up as, hey, multimillionaires, good for them, you know, and um, it's a little bit of a disturbing trend as a fan. I hope he's okay. I look at the Cowboys and go, wow. I mean, I really thought just on yesterday's show, we were talking Cowboys saying, boy, this offense is now complete. It should just be defense, draft, draft, draft like crazy. And now they got to go find a center because he, I think he's the best one of this generation. Yeah. And I wonder if young players now, today's players, care less about things like the Hall of Fame. And because, mm-hmm. you know, Andrew Luck, Luke Keekley, uh, Travis Frederick, those are names where guys were on Hall of Fame paths and you quit early. We saw it with Patrick Willis as well. And if you don't yeah. collect enough statistics, you might not get there as great as you might have been in your peak. And it seems like that's not much of a factor anymore that players got their money. They're smart. They're informed about their bodies and their health. And with Travis Frederick in his statement, he mentioned that I think it was Gillian Barr syndrome is what it's called an autoimmune disease and threatened his career. And he said that battle off the field really put life and football into perspective. And he felt like when he needed to hang him up early, he was going to do that. And he thanked everybody for it. And he's been working in the community in Dallas. Really smart guy, a really good guy off the field from everything I've been able to gather about Travis Frederick. And he wants to be there for his family. And uh, that came first for him. And I totally understand it. I mean, walk a day in someone else's shoes. You know, I mean, playing football is hard. It's a commitment year round. You this time of year, you got to keep yourself in shape even. And um, and, but boy, he, he leaves a really good situation. I mean, it's a a new coach, maybe that factored into, Hey, I don't want to learn anything new. I'm was happy with what I'm doing and I'm just going to walk away. It's unfortunate. I mean, in terms of fandom, I mean, I'm just looking at it from Jerry Jones's Dak Prescott's perspective and Cowboys fan <laughs> yeah. perspective and NFL's fans perspective that I want to watch him more. You know I mean? I think he's a great player, but I mean, good for him to have the foresight to say, I, it's not, not that important to me anymore. I got to, I got to move on with my life and, you know, go from there. 
And just yesterday, we had talked about that 17th pick in the draft on Mock Draft Monday for the Cowboys and thinking, well, you know, they're not in a great position there, might be into the second tier of players at the positions they're looking at. I think we're going to start to see names like Cesar Ruiz, the center out of Michigan, at number 17 a little bit more often. So a little bit more intrigue. Maybe they have to dip into the offensive side of the ball. I don't think they have enough money in free agency to do it. From what I saw, Travis Frederick's... um, Dead money is about the same as he was getting paid, so they didn't really save money. They saved maybe 600000 against the cap for him to not be there, so he doesn't give them relief to go sign a player, and most of the good offensive linemen have already been signed, so I think that's uh, I mean, immediately number one, number two, or at least top three draft need for the Cowboys now. Yeah, I mean, it's been a very important position for them. I thought they took a little bit of a step back the year he was out, and you think about those three stud tackle guard centers. Well, Smith's had a lot of injuries and stuff, too. I mean, he's on hole 13 or so as well. How long is he going to hang around? Martin's been great. Um, guys like Leo Collins don't get the credit they deserve as being a good lineman, too. But I thought they had a chance to have the best line in the league. Now, if you got a hole at center, it's awful tough to be great. Cam Newton, Matt. We've got to get into this one here in our opening segment because... He has been released by the Carolina Panthers, and they tried to say that uh, they allowed him to go look for a trade. I don't know if he sabotaged the trade situation or if nobody really wanted to trade for Cam Newton, where we're at without being able to get some significant medical information on him. But Cam Newton now on the open market, where does he go? Yeah, interesting one. And deep down, I believe that if it was standard operating procedure, Somebody would have given a draft pick for Cam Newton because I know the Carolina, you know, dumped the salary and they'll use that elsewhere. But 17 or 18 million dollars for a Cam Newton like quarterback is not a bad deal. I mean, it's that's a salary that somebody could easily pick up. The Bears would have been the team that came to mind the most. Um, New England comes to mind, but it really sure seems like they want to stick with the way they play offense. I mean, if if you're going to bring in Hoyer, I think they're going to keep the same playbook, and that's not a, a playbook for Cam. I often talk about Cam, that he's so unique that you have to change things for him. You know, I mean, you have to decide how much do we want him to run, how good is he if he doesn't run, and we have to build our offense around him how many teams are willing to do that right this minute? I mean, they're pretty far into the process. So I think it hurts him. It obviously hurts Carolina in terms of getting compensation that nobody could get the medicals on them, get them in their building. So that's unfortunate. Um, but in the end, maybe someone gets a steal. And I keep coming back to Washington. I mean, Ron Rivera is very familiar with them. And they just traded for Kyle Allen. We'll talk about that a little bit too. Um, but Haskins there's been some questions about his work ethic. He's a very different style than Cam, but you could at least put Taskins on the bench, let him learn, evaluate him further, and Cam would keep you pretty competitive. And I guess Kyle Allen's in the mix too. And I do need to clarify the report. It's from Adam Schefter. He said the Panthers are expected to release Cam Newton, so it hasn't officially happened uh-huh. yet. And also reading reports that the Chargers had shown some interest in trading. That's the one I would be all over. That would make sense. But here's what's I just weird. I don't think they're going to. This report is crazy because it says the Chargers had shown interest in swapping before hearing Carolina's demands. So it's plausible he lands in Los Angeles on a one-year deal looking at Roto World and seeing that report. And if the, 
if the how, how if you're the Panthers and your demands are too high, how do you go from that to being like, oh, never mind, I'll just cut them. Now you can have them for free. Right, like, sending a bag of footballs. Right, get something. <laughs> right, if that was right. an actual, so I don't know. That that's just sort of a weird report. It doesn't seem like they were going to get anything for him. If obviously they're going to trade him for nothing instead of uh, moving him to a team, even if they didn't like uh, the offer from the Chargers. But the Chargers made some sense. The New England Patriots are going to be a name that's thrown out there for every single quarterback that becomes available. It seems like though the Chargers are pretty well set, and you're reading the tea leaves there. They're going to go in the draft. Herbert Tua, one of them is going to end up being a Charger and playing behind uh, Tyrod Taylor for a year. It seems like that's their plan. The Patriots really sound like they want to go Hoyer and Stidham. I, I think a lot of people have a hard time believing that, but that seems like the direction they're going, depending on who becomes available. I don't know if that's a great cam landing spot. And you mentioned Washington, and we do have to talk about that they made a trade to seemingly set their situation up pretty perfect to have uh, Kyle Allen, obviously with the ties to Ron Rivera and the coaching staff there, they traded a fifth rounder for him, which seems a little bit high to get a backup quarterback, maybe push Dwayne Haskins a little bit. So I don't know if that's even now a fit for Cam where that would have been the obvious fit I would have thought before. Yeah, right. I mean, are they going to keep three quarterbacks to bring in Cam? I mean, just gave a fifth for Kyle Allen, which I thought Allen was really bad last year. I mean, I, I know there is some ability there. He, we know how this league works, that if you play a, a stretch of games and don't utterly embarrass yourself, you'll probably be a backup quarterback for the next 10 years and be a multimillionaire <laughs> holding a clipboard, and Allen sure fits that profile. So that Washington situation got a little muddier. I mean, I would much rather have Cam than Allen, but I guess you could go with those th- all three. Maybe you trade Haskins. I don't know. I mean, that's, that's really spitball, and I don't think that's going to happen. And take two, uh, again, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, back to the Chargers, I would be all over Cam if I were the Chargers. But I think the Panthers are super interesting, too, in that just try, just signed Teddy, but they also just signed P.J. Walker from the XFL, who yeah. Matt Rule coached at Temple. And I haven't watched him. I've read about him. But I guess he lit the XFL on fire. I mean, he was like their Patty Mahomes this year. Yeah, he didn't do much in his short NFL stint before, but... He was the MVP of the XFL, from what I understand, and I watched a little bit of it. I didn't watch much XFL, so I'm just speaking from what I'm gathering from everybody else. That he was, he looked awesome. So mm-hmm. obviously, they had their second quarterback there, and and I think that was a great deal for the Panthers. If someone calls with a fifth for Kyle Allen, you absolutely make that deal. And then you know what? Let's wait on the rest of the Washington stuff. They made another trade. Let's start with Washington and start in the NFC East. Break down our team by team. Division-by-division free agency review. Since we're on the Washington subject, we mentioned the first trade. They traded away a fifth-rounder. They got quarterback Kyle Allen, then got that fifth-rounder back from Seattle. Seattle Seahawks trading for cornerback Quentin Dunbar. And I guess if you're going to get a fifth back, I I guess it makes the Kyle Allen trade a little bit better, but I still don't like the Kyle Allen trade. I think he showed what he was, and it's like, uh, unnecessary. But they got their backup quarterback. Anyway, Washington Redskins, uh, they franchise tagged Brandon Scherf. I don't know if you want to just read them off quickly, then go deeper into the, some of the players that you think made the biggest. Yeah, maybe we'll do that for these okay. teams. Just kind of give everyone an overview of what happened and then talk about you know, the offseason as a whole with them. With Washington, franchise tag Brandon Scherf. They signed Kendall Fuller, cornerback, four-year, $40 million contract. Kevin Pierre-Lewis, linebacker, one-year, $3.45 million. Uh, they signed Thomas Davis at linebacker. Another Davis, Sean Davis at safety, a one-year contract. J.D. McKissick, running back, signed for two years. And then guard Wes Schweitzer, three-year contract worth 
million. Uh, some key losses for Washington. The trade of Quentin Dunbar, quarterback Case Keenum, guard Eric Flowers, and cornerback Josh Norman was cut. Yeah, I'm going to start with the cornerback situation. Norman and Dunbar were really their starters last year, and Pro Football Focus loved the Dunbar. Like He was one of their highest-graded graded corners last year. He's not old. He... I guess he basically had a, a falling out with Washington as many teams or many players have seemed to do lately. But I mean, for Seattle fifth round pick for Dunbar, I'll do that all day long. I mean, that's a steal. I thought he'd demand a third at least. I mean, I don't think he's quite as good as pro football focus as numbers say, but he had a really good year and he's a valuable player. Norman to me is not much of a loss. Flowers made a lot of money. Keenum gets replaced by Allen, maybe Newton. So the losses besides Dunbar aren't that substantial to me. You know, franchising Schreff was an obvious one. And then you sign Schweitzer. So I think you have a pretty good pair of guards for the foreseeable future. Fine. You I mean, Trent Williams is a name you didn't mention. So be it. But I mean, who knows what's going to happen with him? Is he going to yield you another pick? Is he going to play nice and be your left tackle? That's just up in the air. That's not something we can report at this point. You know, they also are going to move on from Jordan Reed and Vernon Davis. I mean, so they need all new tight ends, too. Um, they signed a couple linebackers, you know, Pierre Lewis and Thomas Davis. They don't really move the needle for me. Like, they're okay. You know, I mean, they brought back John Bostic, too. All those guys are okay. Um, Sean Davis is a guy I'm very familiar with with Steelers. He'll probably be there deep free. And a change of scenery might do him some good. I think J.D. McKissick is going to be your Chris Thompson and pretty much kind of tells you that Thompson won't be back. But Fuller was their prize, in my opinion. I mean, I thought he was a really valuable guy for the Chiefs last year. If people remember, he was part of the Alex Smith from Chiefs to Redskins deal. So he goes from Redskins Chiefs back to Redskins. Slot guy, but also played a lot of safety last year after Juan Thornhill went down. So Fuller was a nice pickup. But all in all, it's not drastic changes considering they have a new head coach. I keep getting hung up on the fifth round trades they made because when you are sitting there explaining it, you have a starting corner and you get a fifth rounder for him and then you move a fifth rounder for a guy you hope doesn't play at all. I mean, that's very different in value that you're getting out of those two players for (laughs) a fifth round draft pick. But uh, do you think that any of that changes where Washington is at with the number two pick in the draft? Do you think adding that quarterback solidifies it? They're not going to screw around. They're going to draft Chase Young number two overall, as most people expect. I assume. I mean, I, I would think that you you listen for a godfather offer. You know, I mean, I thought Kerrigan might be released by now. So maybe he's not going to go anywhere and you just add Young to the mix. Or maybe you take now trade offers for Kerrigan as well. Cause you have a lot of young, you know, you just drafted sweat on the other side and their defensive tackles are young. It's a good group. I imagine, I mean, I would put 90% chance chase young ends up being the second pick to Washington. I guess the next team, unless you have any more big thoughts on the Washington Redskins, no, they're not super eventful. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys. We just talked about the sudden retirements of their center, Travis Frederick. There's a, been a lot of movement with the Cowboys. They've been an active team. They had a lot of in-house free agents. Kept some, lost some. Obviously, the big one is Dak Prescott. He gets the exclusive franchise tag. Uh, and Amari Cooper got the huge deal. Five years, $100 million, $60 million guaranteed for Cooper. They also re-signed cornerback Anthony Brown. Re-signed tight end Blake Jarwin. Uh, also re-signed linebacker 
Sean Lee, who seems like he's going to get every ounce of talent he has out of him and, and remain a cowboy for life. Uh, Joe Looney re-signed, which looks a lot better now that they lost Travis Frederick, having uh, that depth in the interior offensive line. Gerald McCoy signed a three-year, $18.3 million deal. Kicker Kai Forbath re-signed. Darian Thompson re-signed. Ha-ha Clinton Dix gets a one-year, $4 million contract. And some key losses for the Cowboys, the big one. Byron Jones gets a big money deal in Miami. Robert Quinn. Uh, Randall Cobb went to... <laughs> Randall Cobb was uh, sort of the, the forgotten piece of the puzzle for the Houston Texans. He will go replace DeAndre Hopkins there. Uh, they lost defensive lineman Malik Collins. They lost safety Jeff Heath and tight end Jason Witten. Yeah, and again, I don't have a ton to throw out here. I had forgotten they re-signed Looney until you just mentioned it. He can play center and at least be a stopgap guy. So rewind the podcast a little bit. It's not a gaping hole. He's certainly not Frederick, that's for sure. Good for Sean Lee. I mean, he's still sticking around. My kids went to the same grade school as him. He's an Upper St. Clair guy like my family. So we're all rooting for Sean Lee. Um, We talked a lot about Dak and Amari. And I think Jarwin is going to be one of those deep fantasy sleepers without Witten in the mix. And I think this offense, I, I know this offense was one of the best in the league last year. I expect that to continue with a new wrinkle with an offensive coaching staff. So I, I think Dak's really coming into his own. I think this offense is great. The defense to me, including Lee, but not super including him, are pretty darn good at linebacker. The Jones loss is something that they won't be able to make up for. And we talked about this on mock draft or you know uh, mock draft Monday that you know that first round pick absolutely could be a corner and that would make a lot of sense. Ha ha Clinton Dix is interesting to me because he's bounced around the league so much, but I still think he's better than Heath. I mean, I think he's got some versatility, deep patrol, there's some pedigree there. Maybe the league likes him less than I do, but I still think he has some value. And it's only a one-year deal yet again, so he could be on the move next year at this time. Um, Cobb's a loss. I thought he played well for them. Jones is a huge loss. I think Quinn's a gigantic loss. And Gerald McCoy's probably an upgrade over Collins. So, again, center aside, I'm drafting defense, linemen and secondary like crazy. I wasn't sure what kind of deal Gerald McCoy was going to be able to get in free agency, but good on him for being able to get a longer term deal. I thought it might be, you know, a series of those one year contracts that we're starting to see from some yeah. of these veteran defensive linemen. But he got a three year contract. You mentioned Ha Ha Clinton Dix. I mean, that's I think that's fantastic for the Cowboys to get him on a one year four million dollar contract. And then on the other side of the things, with how much money they've had to spend this offseason and how tough it's been to to keep all their free agents. Throwing out $5.5 million per year on a four-year deal for Blake Jarwin is a little bit surprising, but that just means they must really love him. And so, yeah, fantasy sleeper mode, maybe. If you love that player that much, then uh, they, they they must be planning to use him. Yeah, I imagine. And I think it's kind of addition by subtraction just to get Witten out of the building, too. I'm sure, I'm sure he's a wonderful human being, but just get him off the field. Let Jarwin play. Um, tight ends make a lot of money now, though. I mean, these last couple off-seasons... Tyler Croft and Jesse James. I mean, they're making this kind of money. It's like, boy, I mean, I'd rather Jarwin than those guys. And we're about to see uh, George Kittle break the system when it comes to tight ends, too. We'll yeah, see what that right. extension looks like. By the way, Joe Looney, the probably the best thing he's given to both the Cowboys and the NFL was when he dressed up as Zeke Elliott in training camp with the with the half shirt. Do you remember seeing that? <laughs> yeah, well, that was that was him. I yeah, about yeah, that. that was Joe Looney. <laughs> That's good. It's good. Good stuff. All right, we've got two more teams to get to in the NFC East next.
Let's go to Philadelphia next, Matt, and the Eagles. They had one of my favorite low-key signings in defensive lineman Javon Hargrave, who's a player I know you like out of Pittsburgh. He got a three-year, $39 million contract. I think the more snaps he plays, the more he's going to show out. I think it was a great addition by Philadelphia. They also made the trade for Darius Slay. They re-signed a few of their own, safety Jalen Mills, safety Rodney McLeod, and quarterback Nate Sudfeld, and then signed safety Will Parks. So obviously the defensive backfield was something that the Philadelphia Eagles were absolutely looking for, and uh, they gave money to three different uh, safeties, Will Parks getting a one-year contract, and then they lost Jason Peters, the longtime tackle. They obviously have the heir apparent already in-house there. Wide Wide receiver Nelson Aguilar goes to Las Vegas. Ronald Darby, Jordan Howard at running back, uh, Vinny Curry, Big V, Halapulavati Vaitai. Well and done. Thank you. <laughs> I, you can hear me pause for a second. I was like, am I going to try this one? I, I practiced oh. it a long time ago, uh, but uh, I wasn't sure if I was going to get there. Big V is what we'll call him. And then uh, longtime safety Malcolm Jenkins goes to New Orleans. How do you feel about the offseason so far for Philly? I'm really high on this team, and I might pick them to win the Super Bowl. I mean... I'm still a massive Wentz believer. I think this coaching staff and organization is very strong. I think it's noteworthy that since the Super Bowl over the last two years, they've been the most injured team in the league. That probably will come back. I think Malcolm Jenkins hurts, though. I mean, I think that's a legit loss. I mean, the names you mentioned, Peters, Aguilar, Darby, Howard, Curry, Vitae, they're all brand-name guys. So none of them are you know, backbreakers, but they're all good football players that are going to play a lot of snaps elsewhere. Jenkins is the one that hurts me the most. Peters has been really good for him, but they prepared with that with the first round pick last year. Um, you mentioned, you know, they, they did add some safeties to three of them. And in fact, to, or brought back to make up for the Jenkins situation and maybe a draft one as well. But I love the Hargrave pickup. I mean, people think, boy, Steelers nose tackle. He's Casey Hampton. Well, no, he's, Built like that, and he'll help the run game, but he's much more of an upfield penetrator, really ascending player. He'll be the one technique. Cox will be the three technique. They'll be very disruptive up front, which they're all about. And Slay's obviously the huge move, and they've been looking for a a legit corner forever. You know, he's going to play man coverage on Amari Cooper twice a year. I mean, they haven't had that guy to follow people around and man coverage forever. So I thought they got him at a pretty good price and then extended him. And I think they set up well for the draft. I mean, that's that's something I like to do with these teams now is how do you set your team up for the draft where I almost can guarantee the Eagles will take a wide receiver in the first round. They'll probably keep their fingers crossed for rugs. They'll settle for Mims or Rager or whoever they like. And there's a lot of guys there. That's perfect. And to me, that pretty much completes the offense with the double tight ends that they have, a good line. And then defense... Maybe you still want another corner on day two, a safety, and they're not great at linebacker. But this defense is all about the defensive line, and the defensive line is quite good, and now they have a shutdown-type corner. You know, after you add Darius Slay, it would seem like Ronald Darby would still be a nice fit to be your number two cornerback there. And actually, yeah. I, I put Ronald Darby in the losses. He hasn't actually signed with anybody yet, right? I don't think so. I was looking at that too. I'm like, yeah. I don't know if he's if he played if he's signed anywhere. Unless else. I missed it, Ronald Darby's still out there, so they could potentially bring him back too. And I think that's sort of a nice fit there. Maybe Darby's holding out and, and wanted more money than than both the Eagles or anybody else in the league were willing to give. But 
that would still be a nice fit to to finish up that secondary if they go wide receiver in round one. But obviously, they attack their needs in the secondary. I love the the pickup of Hargrave. You lose Peters, but you have protection there. Uh, now it's about getting some more weapons for Carson Wentz. Yeah, I, I mean, a deep threat, and maybe Deshaun Jackson comes back and offers you that for a little, but not for long. I mean, they'd love to get a guy like Ruggs, I think. But, I mean, a, a, a little bit of health at the receiver position wouldn't hurt either. Malcolm Jenkins, I mean, he was so good for so long. It's got to have some sort of impact on your defense, even if you replace him with another body. Malcolm Jenkins, I mean, that, that, he was a guy for so long. And, and such a leader and so versatile. Like, whenever we start talking NFC South, I'm going to be like, boy, the Saints get picked up Malcolm Jenkins again. Nice move. Yeah, we'll talk about the Saints. Uh, some underrated veteran pickups there. The Saints still going for it. Emmanuel Sanders and Malcolm Jenkins, uh, I, I like those pickups. Those guys still have a little bit left in the tank that could help mm-hmm. New Orleans potentially get over the top uh we can move on to the new york giants unless you have any more ideas about the philadelphia eagles and how things are going this offseason no but i am very high on them i have respect for the cowboys but i probably will pick the eagles to win that division and maybe more new york giants dave gettleman a play a gm that uh, i have been not very nice to i think there's (laughs) you know i I do like some things that they have done, though, uh, starting with letting Eli Manning retire. Uh, no, Yay, sorry, Giants fans. <laughs> sorry, yeah. Giants fans. I just crushed your, right. your uh, Hall of Fame, probably quarterback and your GM. Uh, didn't, I, it was more of a joke, though, about Eli. You know, Eli m- walking away, which, which was, it was right time for him. They got Daniel Jones in-house. I don't love that's the— That's in the positive column, though. Right, that's in the positive column. Um, Leonard Williams franchise tag, they— Gave out some big money to James Bradbury, which I'm not against. I like Bradbury, underrated player around the league at cornerback. Three years, $45 million, not cheap. They re-signed some of their own. Uh, David Mayo at linebacker being one of them. They brought in a block first tight end, Levine Toilolo, on a two-year deal. Blake Martinez signed for three years, $30 million. Safety Nate Ebner, not sure what the details are on that contract. They brought uh, edge player Kyler Fackrell in on a one-year contract and brought in tackle Cam Fleming on a one-year contract. The losses, retirement of Eli Manning, Marcus Golden, Antoine Bethea was cut, uh, Alec Ogletree at linebacker was cut, and tackle Mike Remmers. Those were the losses. Not not a huge offseason so far. The big ones were franchise tagging Leonard Williams and bringing in James Bradbury at corner. Maybe a little bit too much money for Blake Martinez, and I don't know if it really affects the draft much. You had talked about in your draft ditties how the New York Giants don't draft linebackers. I kind of still like Isaiah Simmons, though, for them at four. Every time I look at a mock draft, I'm like, man, they have to go offensive tackle, but Isaiah Simmons is sitting there, and he's best player available. Yeah, I mean, that's actually where I was going to start. It's funny you brought that up because I'm sitting there going, I know David Mayo doesn't really change the world, but you gave him a three-year $8.4 million, and Martinez is going to play a lot of snaps for you. Are you a kind of out of the Simmons market when you balance it against one of the top four offensive tackles? Maybe that's enough to sway, you know, towards tackle, which I have no problem with. I mean, if you take Becton or one of those guys over Simmons, that's fine, but at least consider it. And we don't know if they will or not, but I I don't think Martinez is a game changer to me. He's more of a number two type second guy next to Simmons would be really nice. So um, I would still consider Simmons. I kind of bet they won't just knowing how that organization works. Corners are expensive. Bradbury's the really good one. I'd rather have Slay, for example, 
Um, I think Bradbury is more on that Dunbar level uh, of a really good player, and this is a lot of money. But Gettleman has really attacked the corner position of lately. DeAndre Baker uh, drafted a guy in the supplemental draft a little bit ago. So they've used some picks on corners. And now if you have one that you can count on and then three or four younger guys with upside hoping one or two emerges, that makes some sense to me. Franchising Leonard Williams doesn't, but we've talked about that before. I think that's just not admitting your mistake. Toy Lolo is just a guy, but at least he's a lot different than Ingram. Gives you more possibilities, so I'm cool with that. I kind of like Kyler Fackrell, but Marcus Golden was good for those guys. So their edge pass rush is a little questionable. I mean, they have Jimenez and some guys that could step up, but that's not – their pass rush to me worries me overall. Um and that's about it. I kind of thought they'd be a little more splashy. As long as you can fit Leonard Williams under the cap with the franchise tag, I guess it's not a terrible deal because it's better than paying him, you know, it's better to pay him that whatever $17, $18 million franchise tag number for one year than doing it on a five-year contract and giving him this massive deal. So I guess franchise tag is better than a long-term deal there with Williams if he was going to earn that type of money, even though maybe he's not been as impactful as the Giants hoped when they traded for him. James Bradbury could go in a couple of directions because while he's good and been underrated around the league, they gave him a lot of money. So he's got to play at the high level rather than some of the valleys he's had over the course of his short career. How do you feel? You talked about how you would pick the Eagles to win the division. New York Giants, are they are they closing the gap at all? And look, those teams were, what, 8-8 and eight and 7-9, and nine, the Cowboys and the Eagles last year. So the gap's not, they don't have to get that high if they want to get there to be a 500 team. Are the New York Giants getting there is the question. I really do think the East is two two teams, line of demarcation, Washington and the Giants. I didn't like Daniel Jones at all last or this time last year, and he was better than I thought. And I also think Barkley was not himself. So if you draft that tackle or not, I think their offense could be um, a team that I might mine some fantasy gold out of. You know, I think that's a, a potentially good unit. And I think the defense has some promise, but I don't think they're a 500 team yet. Matt, do you want to go east to west and go AFC east tomorrow? Do you want to go finish up the NFC, then go AFC? How do you want to do this? Uh, I guess we should go east, north, south, west. Okay. But what if some great news breaks in the south? Maybe we'll just go off course. Who yeah, knows? who knows? Uh, we, we There's no rules, Matt. We make them up as we go along. Yeah. Tentatively, we'll hit the NFC, the AFC East on tomorrow's program. Break down all the news that happens, of course, for you daily here on Locked On NFL, division by division, team by team, free agency review. Talk to you tomorrow right here, Locked On NFL.